That was literally verbal diarrhea. I'm setting the bar awfully low. Titus O'Neil keeps running directly into that bar. Get him off my TV. Get him off my TV. You make me very angry. The man who has a better IQ than you, the awe-inspiring JC. You should go work for WWE because you'd be so up far up Vince's No, butt. no, no, no. Oh, you are no, such no, a no, sucker. No, no, no. You are. You defend everything, all the bad moves they make. This is the Chopper Knocker Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest edition of the Jobberknocker Podcast. As always, it's Nestle Mania. Alongside for the ride as a man, I just gave a brand new jacket to backstage. Mansoor Ali, you you are terrible. JC, thank you for bringing on the program well, today. it was a robe, wasn't it? What, it was a jacket, a robe. It yeah. was a new entrance card. like a robe to me. Well, um, you know what? I guess I'm the Randy and you're the Riddle because I do not accept your friendship. It's true. I am better on my own. Um, yeah, we're going to start right there because you know what's the best thing ever? RK bro. You know what they're trying to do to us, Nestlemania? Is not give us RK bro. But what they're actually doing is giving us RK bro. Because I think it's pretty obvious what they're doing here. That Riddle's going to continue to help Randy all he can. And eventually they're going to team up and they're going to defeat AJ and the Colossal Omas. New nickname, you know? Colossal, yeah. Yeah, he adopted that from someone they fired. Um, But yeah. (laughs) Twitter was very happy about that. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. But no, uh, I, you know what? I'm, I love the way they did this because, you know, I, we were actually, we were golfing yesterday and I see the tweet, Randy Orton kicking off Raw. I'm like, well, WWE hates surprises. So there's that. So I was like, how are they going to do this to make it interesting as opposed to be like a kumbaya? Well, they make Randy Orton be Randy Orton. Be like, I don't want to be your friend. Leave me alone. We had a nice run, kid. Did a great job, but. It's kind of pathetic how you want to, you know, get on your knees for me. But you know what's great about Riddle? He plays his role perfectly. And he is so freaking likable because it. it is so freaking relatable. He just wants to be friend with the cool kid because they have great chemistry. But the cool kid's too cool. But Riddle doesn't care. Know why? Because Riddle's compassionate. Riddle's a good friend. And he comes out even when he's not supposed to to try to save him from the big bad colossal Omas. And he does help because Randy beat AJ in WrestleMania. But what does Randy do after they do the little fake serenade? The three most dangerous word, letters, letters, letters make words in sports entertainment, RKO. I thought it was great because I, know, yeah. I thought it was great when we were talking about this uh, uh, when we were playing golf, like you said, and it was, uh, you're like, oh, we had this whole conversation about nobody does surprises anymore and all that other crap. But then when I watched it unfold, it was like the beginning, the middle, and the end, threaded through the night. That was their story. There were six promos, it felt like. There were a lot of promos. There were a lot of promos, uh, you know, and that's fine. But it all went to the end game where the one particular thing that I really thought was the most telling part of this entire story was the promo that Riddle had before the main event where he said, yeah, look, I want to be his partner, bro. I want him to be my bro. I want to go get those tag titles. But you know what? If he wants to be on his own, that's what he's going to do but I'm going to be a stallion because that's what I am. And he just rides off into the sunset and he just kind of does his own thing. And I think that's where the likability factor comes in here because you know very much so that next week, this is what I'm thinking, next week it's going to be Randy versus Omas. You know, and that's when it's going to get, you know, them maybe beaten down you know, on Randy and then Riddle comes in, even though he just ate an RKO last week, all that stuff. And then, of course, the reluctant, like, fine, fine, we'll, we'll be tag partners at SummerSlam. There's going to be something to change Randy's mind, obviously. That's yes. where we're headed. 100%. And I, I love that because this, like, RK Bro has been such a fun thing. It obviously developed so, like, organically without crowds. So we're like, how do you integrate it in the crowds and still get the moments? Well, this is how you do it because they're going to build back up to it. But the other part of this that I really liked, and you can tell this is the story they're putting the most effort into right now. Omos reversed an RKO from Randy and Riddle. So that's just telling you that's going to be a big, big pinnacle moment at SummerSlam when they finally are able to RKO Omos to yeah. win the titles. And yeah. I think I love when they leave little things like that because that's how you create little special moments like in a match. It's like it's it's simple storytelling. It's not hard to do. You just got to think a little bit. It's so obvious. It's right there. 
But like we say, they don't always do it. So when I see stuff like that, especially when you have an unbeatable force like Omas, who I still, every week I love this guy more. For a guy with like, it seems like he has no charisma, he has the most of charisma. It's just incredible. I having guess. having no charisma makes him charismatic. I get it. No, yeah, because it's just like the way he is. Like, it's just, he's not naturally charismatic, but he's naturally, it, it, I can't even explain So, it. I think you said something here, and I'm pretty sure I'm just saying the same thing so you can stop me, but there's, and maybe this is a little bit different from what you just said, but here's something else that I wanted to point out. When I was watching the ending, when you said he went for the RKO and nothing happened, and then they were like, oh, we're setting up Riddle to do the RKO, and then he grabbed him and then turned him around and then just... Randy watched him. There was a half a second there where I was watching it and went, he hooked him. But there was a pause that if Randy had slid in and hooked, they would have done a double RKO. And I think that's the moment. The double RKO on Omas for me, when I was watching that, I said, that's what we're leading to. And he's not going to take that bump till SummerSlam. No, no way. But he's going to take that on pay-per-view. And it's, people are going to explode because I don't, I don't think he's taken a bump yet. To the ground. No, yeah, we ever since anything like so Omos, at least six months he hasn't bumped. Yeah, they have they have booked him so well for a guy that you know when he debuted he was a giant ninja. Um, for those of you, I who forgot about for that for a second. Yeah, tell. but yeah, no, it just they have taken good care of it, and AJ's the perfect like you know they're the perfect like match for this type of tag team the way they do it. Um, and this this has been a fun ride, and I think it's going to be even more fun the next few weeks. Something else that really caught my eye. I know you're not going to be a huge fan of part of this, but I think there's a bigger part of this that I really enjoyed, was that Corbin was on Raw. Oh, I loved it. So, I don't really like the Drew part, obviously, with the whole thing, but it, it's it's the old not song. Just, right. But then they did the whole thing with Baron Corbin, and all I could think about was what we talked about last week with Reggie. was like, Reggie's on both shows, then Reggie's over. Reggie's, you know, he's exposed, overexposed, and overexposed again. But the Baron Corbin thing was, now it's more of a a gun for hire kind of thing, which I actually enjoy. That's what I what the reason why I loved it because that makes sense. We're talking about a man reeking for desperation who, like, even on on SmackDown, I love that segment when he reached the rock bottom where Finn, like, Corbin tried to apologize and Finn's like, "No, fuck you," and he just beats the fuck out of him and squashed dead. Um, and we'll get to more of that in a second, but yeah, no, I just that's why I love that immediately Corbin is there. And he gave us the explanation, be like, "Yeah, Jinder called me. I'm a desperate man. This is what I need to do." And I'm like. That makes perfect freaking sense. It really does. And Corbin, the, the type of thing that he's doing right now, I think is so interesting. I think it works for both shows um, because Corbin still, like, he's a huge guy. He's a guy who's been done nothing but, for the most part, winning his career up until recently. So he's the perfect type of guy to, right now, put over these baby faces you're trying to get over, the Finn Balor or a Drew McIntyre, a simple thing. So I think across the board it made a lot of sense. The only thing that once every time they fucking do this it takes me out of it is Corbin perfectly explained why he's there. Like, he hired me. But then on commentary, they have to go, oh, Baron Corbin's here as part of the... What is it they call it? the superstar oh, the, program? The brand four, to brand, yeah. The yeah, brand yeah. to brand, like you get four times a year, and I'm just like, shut the fuck up. Because first of all, the only times this is the funniest part. The only times they've actually used this thing is for Baron Corbin and Charlotte. Yeah, they're the only two superstars that have done it, which is hilarious. But it's just like you're gonna call back to this, like that. It's just something where it's like the extra WWE thing that they put in there that you don't even need to mention it because it literally adds nothing to it. Literally adds nothing. Corbin perfectly explained in his quick little promo that he's desperate and gender hired him. And it was perfect. So everything besides that useless bit on commentary was great. I thought it was fantastic. But I also want to jump to SmackDown, WrestleMania, because one of my favorite moments of the week was after we finished up with the Finn Corbin thing and uh, Finn got the dominant win. Reigns came out. And what did he do? What is one of the most disrespectful things you can do to someone? Fucking throw a mic at him. But it's not where he threw the mic at him. He hit his trampoline abs, baby. And that thing just bounced off. And I was like, that's a fucking visual. That is fun. And I loved it. Like, just like Roman Reigns every week does these little things where it's just like, man, it's so simple, but no one else does it. And it's so unique. Like, when's the last time you saw someone literally throw a mic at someone like that? You know what I mean? Like, we've seen it used as a weapon, but it's just such a simple thing because it shows like Reigns is talking about how he respects Finn, blah, 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 but his actions are being like, I know I can beat you in two seconds, bro. I don't respect you. That's why I want you to be my opponent. I'll run through you. So much so that here, have a mic. I did appreciate the fact that he was like, I went out of my way yep. to put you on the you know, the aisle of relevancy, and you couldn't even sign your John Hancock. And I, all I could think about was that was fun for me because he's finding ways to make somebody still relevant with not squashing him into a point of like, I don't even want to see this match. 
Because there's a lot of people out there that say like they, they do too much negging, like negative on everything. And it's just, they just keep doing it over and over and over again to the point where I don't care about the match, you know, and that's, that's how it is. So I, I, I'm very excited to see what happens, but this was a week too, where it was like non, very non John Cena related. Yep. Everything else kind of hang, hung in there, but I don't know if I really missed John Cena too no, much. No, because I thought the, the way that they've done this feud is so nice because we're building Finn as a contender because you even saw like the Usos run out and Finn handled them. And this was the first moment, I think a big moment for Finn where Reigns was like, fuck, I really do have to do this myself. This guy's legit. By Reigns going back into the ring and trying to deal with Finn himself, I think finally like acknowledged Finn as a threat. But I mean, the, the greatest part I think about this, you mentioned Cena not being on TV. Cena was at the show because he came out after the dark, which I think is it's impressive that the fact that they're doing this, like he's there and they're not using him on TV. But I also think that's smart because what do we always say about leading up to a big fight? Keep them away from each other. So I think this breather is nice. Having the fin in there, like it's a nice like breath from the rain, Cena, but at the same time setting up what could be next. So I think just like it's very well done right now. They're, they're, but this, this, this stuff, the Corbin stuff and the RK Bro stuff, is A plus from WWE. After that is when we start to seep down, but this these three storylines have been very well done. Is there anything else you want to talk about that was very specific uh, on the old positive side? I mean, the Edge Seth promo was really good. Yeah, I mean, I definitely it was funny a lot of the, the Photoshop memes where it was like they reversed each other's heads on each other's bodies for SummerSlam, that was really funny. You know, your Edge light, I can see that. There's a lot of similarities with the two of them. This is a match, like we said, they set, they they kept each other away from each other. And that's what we needed because if we kept getting this attack, 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 like I get, you got to make it personal, but I mean, we got one week left. I don't know what else you can do. They got to they gotta do something to set up a stipulation because I feel like this match has to have a stipulation. This can't just be a wrestling match with how these two have fought. So I feel like next week what you do is you give us a stipulation, however, you know, whatever they get fighting, you have to have Adam Pierce and, you know, Sonia generic there come yeah. out and be like it is official but yeah no i i feel like what's left for this is because like you said this match has been set pretty much since like yeah seth costin but it this feels like like this is the SummerSlam stipulation match like it screams of it yeah it's so obvious it's more like they need maintenance to it they don't even yeah. spend too much time on it i mean maybe a couple minutes here and there i just when i see edge come out and do these whole like explanation promos where i'm just waiting for him to end for it to be interrupted or just whatever it's not that it's bad it's just you want to talk about formulaic. You want to talk about things that are just there. You see that, and you're like, I get that Edge is amazing. I get that Edge is awesome on the mic. He's better than everybody. Hmm. Well, he's be okay. He's, he's in the very, upper he's echelon. Very good, but he's almost like you said, too good for his own good because he just he kind of drones on. Yeah, it is hard. It's it's really hard because you 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 do want to cheer for it, and I think this is the perfect place for him to be. And Seth is so good at being like the laugher and just yeah, I'm not taking you seriously until he. The one thing I will say, which bizarrely just I'm not a huge fan of, was it was just like he goaded him into the same promo. And it was just like one second Seth Rollins was going, hey, wait a minute. I, I'm not, I don't have to do anything. I'm going to take my time. And all of a sudden he made a comment and then he, was, he just flipped his lid and, uh, okay, I'm going to see you at SummerSlam. They could have made that next week's problem. And then that you just get to the SummerSlam and there, there's your maintenance and you, you get to the next SummerSlam. But in the same promo, it was just like, why, why, is, why is Seth Rollins losing his shit that quickly? You know, like, and I get it's a master manipulator. You can, you can make me buy all that. But I just thought it was a weird thing because he looked like he was complete control of what he was saying and what he was doing. And I, I don't think Edge really said anything to me that really sent him over the hill, right? Straw that broke the camel's back, man. Sometimes it don't take much. I don't know. It just, to me, those are little things, but... I did enjoy the segment. I thought it was really well done. Yeah. It's just, it just, I get where maybe we needed to go somewhere and that was just a clunky way to end it, but it is what it is. Anything else that you think is very positive? What uh, did you think was the match of the week this week? Oh, I have to go back and look. I mean, honestly, for me, there were a couple. Because um, I think there was one that kind of stood out to me. Were you going to say Sheamus and uh, Ricochet? Ding, ding, ding. So I love Sheamus. We've talked about this over and over again. I love that Ricochet went and did the springboard crossbody on the table spot. I love that. That was wonderful. But the one thing I'm hoping is it's just it's this weird thing where it's like Jomo and the Miz are kind of in cahoots with Sheamus and do your job and that whole thing with the dripstick. Well, they all hate Damian Priest. Right, 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 and that's fine. He's so freaking cool. Yeah, oh, the guy's really freaking cool. Like I'm. 
you're in? Every single week, the guy buys me in more. And just watching the crowd react to him, like, they think he's really cool, too. Because he has, like, that bad boy vibe. And he's, like, he's... His promos are not clean. What is he, Sean Diddy Combs? No, but I'm just, but think about it. Like, his promos are not clean. No. But it doesn't matter to me because it just, I feel like that makes him cooler. Because it's like, this is a cool guy. It's a little relatable, though, because he's not, he's smooth, but he's not, like, smooth like the typical WWE promo smooth. Like, he's just smooth. Like, I don't know. There's something about him where it's just like, I get why people are behind him. And it's working what they're doing with him because the guy, I want him to win. Like, they bought me in. I, was, I bought this character, which shouldn't be a babyface. As a baby face. Yeah. You know, so it just, I'm like, it's working. Because this is a guy that, like we've said, every week we come on here and be like, he wasn't our guy, but he's he's bought me in. And I just, the more I see it, like, think about the people he's in the segment with. Ricochet is one of my favorites. Sure. The Miz is one of my favorites. Right. Jomo and Sheamus. And my biggest takeaway is still about Damian Priest. Yeah. No, I, look, I, I don't disagree with you at all because when I think about it, I thought we were talking about how great the Sheamus and Ricochet match was, and it really wasn't. Go back and watch it. It, it, it delivered, it over-delivered. It wasn't boring at all. No, um, never and, are with those two. And it was just, excuse me, it was so, it was so good. But the, the, real, the real crux here is, like you talk about, is Damian Priest. And I will say this much. I think that was his best promo that he's cut on the main roster, probably in NXT, probably in WWE as a whole. 100%. Because he, <laughs> he, seemed, he seemed like he was comfortable at least with some of the language that was written for him. He seemed like the crowd was getting behind him. I don't know what it is. I don't know if he found his groove or whatever. Well, I think so. That's one thing there is because we've obviously got used to it. What is a year and a half of no crowds? He's someone that I've like paid attention to with crowds and he is way more comfortable. I feel like with that audience. Cause I mean, it's you go out there. It's a lot easier to play off people. You know, sometimes they make it more challenging if with like chance or whatever, which whatever, but he's the type of guy that just seems like you see him in his entrance. Like he's flowing. It's just like, he's just, you can feel the and him feeding off the energy. And I think it's making him, like you said, I see a different comfort level in him than when it was those empty arenas. And he's trying to cut these promos in front of no one. I think he's a guy that it really has made a difference. I mean, we know he's probably going to win that United States championship because Sheamus has held it and he's got a broken face, the yeah. pork bastard. Like, he just keeps on going. And he deserves, you know, all the praise in the world for doing what he's done since pretty much the beginning of the pandemic all the way through. I think Sheamus has been one of the MVPs, we can probably say. But I think it's time. I think it's Priest's time, and yep. I think everybody knows it. And, I, I, you know, you make a joke about pulling back the bow and arrow, you got to shoot it sometime. But this guy, he's not ready for the world title or world title shot, but he's ready for that mid-card spot. And I think having the Joe Mo and the Miz thing, now we get back to where we want it to be, you know, after Extreme Rules when, you know, Miz supposedly hurt his leg, which is an interesting concept that that happened there. But they're, you know, like you said, they're building contenders before there are contenders. So it, it worked out for me when I was watching so it. That was the other little piece of this is when the Miz stood up. Like they didn't try to hide it because Priest like called attention to it. So allegedly Miz tore all, tore all those ligaments. That's like eight to 12 months minimum. So what was that like? three months ago and he's already yeah so do you think because this would be the this would be the ultimate heel move that the Miz had a minor injury and lied about it because they want to set this up somehow of him coming back you know what I mean like because if anyone lied about an injury to fake it to set up a lawn con it would be the Miz so to me I thought that was fascinating and I was like that's a fun little wrinkle. Like maybe not, maybe just like he's able to stand but it's just the fact that they're teasing that and like we said like he hasn't really been off TV because sometimes those injuries can take extensive rehab, which I'm sure he's doing anyways. But I don't know. It kind of put the thought in my mind where it's like, that's a cool little tidbit. Because I would be all for it if, you know, he had like a different injury and they, you know, they kind of blew it up like it was worse. Because it's the Miz, man. You never know what he's going to do. Yeah, I was very happy. I almost gave the Miz my comeback because I thought it was so good, honestly. Because I just, I can't believe that, you know, you, you, you fell into it. Because the Miz never gets hurt and all this other stuff. He wrestles like he never gets hurt. You know, you wrestled like a coward, as Daniel Bryan would say. Yeah. But every time you think about it, every time you enter a ring, you obviously could get injured. But it was funny because not only did he walk away, so it wasn't like, you know, hey, I have an injury. Please be careful. I'm going to come back early. He, he booked it down, and I was just like, wow. You know, that was, that was pretty much how it is. Um, but I just I couldn't believe it. Like, I could not believe how fast he went. And I think you're right. He could have done the long con here. He could have done something just to make us upset. And it worked beautifully. In the in this world where everything gets spoiled on the internet, I want more of this like shit. Just fucking lie to us. Lie to us. Like, 
just literally lie to us about these things because I think it's a lot more fun. Um, I don't really have much else here that I would really like want to throw in the shine. I don't know if you did, so we can move on if you'd like. So for me, I don't necessarily have a lot of shine that we haven't already talked about because I thought that SmackDown didn't win this week. I thought that Raw had more positives, in my opinion. Really? Yeah, yeah, so I think so. I, I mean, I really, as we talked about, I really love the Rain stuff. That was a hit. And I love the Corbin stuff and the RK Bro. Well, yeah, I guess, I guess maybe I would give it a slight edge to Raw because we just talked about that other stuff. But I don't know. I guess the reason why I didn't even think about it is because, like, the main story of SmackDown is just so good that if the rest of us is subpar, which it, it pretty was, pretty much was this week, it doesn't bother me because if the if the cream is the best, sometimes that's all you remember. It's true. But you know what? We're going to make you remember the bad stuff right about now, right? Yeah, it's time to get into the heat. Get him off my TV. Get him off my TV. Get him off my TV. There's so much we can talk about here. There's a lot of meat on that bone. Um, I don't know exactly where you'd like to start, but I think that something that really kind of made me feel like, what the hell are we doing here? Specifically, is Bianca Belair comes out, then Sasha comes. I'm sorry. It was a Sasha, and then was it Zelina? Whatever the hell it was. It was I think it was Sasha, then Bianca, then whatever. Ran her out of the ring. So they do this whole thing where I'll see you at SummerSlam. I'll see you later on tonight. They squash Zelina again to her, you know, yet her another well, loss. This is the craziest thing is like the the worst part about this is because like whatever. I, I honestly don't mind what they're doing with Zelina because I think it's at least like interesting because and we can talk about that more in a minute. But they literally the thing that was so confounding and confusing about this is they gave her a match. And then backstage, they didn't give her a match. They made it like she has to win again. It was just like, what? It's like we say all the time, like the it's like they you have two people writing two different segments and like they don't communicate about it. So you have two like we see this all the time with WWE lately. And it's just that's the part where it gets me. It's like it's such a simple like where's your quality control guy? That's such an easy, easy thing to not have happen. And the fact that it happens, it makes it worse. Because, look, the rest of it, was it good? No. But I honestly, ever since Lena's come back, yeah, she's done nothing but lose. But she's also been on TV every week and been, like, all these things. So, like, it's one of those things. In WWE, they don't keep records. We obviously are aware of what they are. But at the same time, it's like it's never been a WWE thing as we've seen. So as long as you're on TV, that's always a good thing for you. Um but I am curious to see if what they're building with this, if anything. But at least for now, like I don't, I don't hate that terms of the booking. I just the stuff that bothers me is the stuff around it, the inconsistencies, like a lot of the stuff that you usually call upon. And for this, I think it really takes me out of some of the stuff. And you, you kind of jumped where I was going to go with the uh, the backstage segment, where it was she was so pissed that she didn't get it, and then she was just fine with it. And it just as a character, as a human being, if you came up to me, JC, and you said, "Ah, uh, you know, I want this match, WrestleMania," and I said. No, you wouldn't turn around and go, all right. Hey, Adam Pierce is authority, baby. I wouldn't go against oh, him. Oh, stop it. Just stop it. Look, it. you know that I don't like him, and that's fine. But the, the Sonya and him together with the whole, like, I make the matches. Adam beep, Pierce boop, 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 beep, is boop, better boop. than Sonya. No, no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that Sonya goes, I make the matches. No, it's painful. So it's, it's hard. She, it's, yeah. That's a whole other discussion. It's a whole other thing that we don't want to get to. Our boy Danny Greenwood would tell us all the time, she's the worst. Get her off my TV, you know? But that's that's how we feel about it. And so that segment specifically made me feel like, okay, we have Sasha and we have Bel Air at SummerSlam, essentially. We know we're getting it. We know what's going to be good. That's and all what this we stuff. want. That's yeah. what we've wanted. We've wanted this rematch. Yeah. And look, at like every time Bianca goes out there, I just like, every, like my, my eyes turn into stars. She's a fucking megastar. Like she's, it's growing before her eyes. And it's nice to see like, like them continuing to like, you know, find these stars in the women's division, just like Sasha and Bianca. I'm like, that match is going to rule again. It ruled the first time. So it's like where I'm thrilled to be getting there. But again, it's a lot of the time it's the build up to these matches. It's just it's so sloppy. And but, and, you know, once we get there, like we said, all going into WrestleMania, we're going to be fine. And we were. That's still my match of the year. But man, they just like the, the week to week for something that should be so simple. They just find a way to murky it up and make it make it tough watch sometimes. Something else that I wanted to bring up real quickly was the Tamina loses in a jobber alert to Tegan Knox. Jobber alert. It is what it is. Um, the one thing I will say here, I'm going to take a stand and a note. We already had a conversation about this, but I believe Tegan Knox is the worst baby face on the SmackDown roster. She gives me the, come on, let's hear it. Come on, give me a reaction. I, I really hate that. Yes, she had an amazing sell. I will say that, that much. Was a fantastic sell. Yeah, By fantastic. the way, any, let me just quickly say this here because I wanted to bring this up because there are there's half the internet that understands it's a good sell and half the internet doesn't. Watch a real fight and a real knockout one time. That is normally what someone's body do because your brain wants you to keep fighting. 
but a lot of times your body just gives up and you get those like just watch UFC like one time you get the knockouts where it's just like a guy will like get punched he'll be up for like eight seconds trying to move forward then all of a sudden he staggers and falls so it's like whenever I see a cell like that it's like it's fucking great yeah she's awesome you can say that she's awesome. I, again, I, I think the human being is amazing. I'm just saying as a baby I think, face. I think she's a great wrestler too. I know, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not discounting the wrestler. Her, I'm saying the specifics on being, like, I have not seen Tegan Knox as a heel, but I would venture a guess that she is a better heel than a baby face, in my opinion. She's likable. She has a great I mean, moveset. I think that's accurate for most people, sure. so I don't disagree with sure. that. And so, I do say, like, her, her character hasn't really been fleshed out here much besides, like, she really, like, before her second injury down in NXT, I thought she was really hitting her stride. But then obviously got derailed, and then she, you know, she was teaming with Shotzi, got injured. Then they come back, they immediately throw her back in, and obviously Shotzi had a different partner. So it was already a convoluted mess. So we haven't really, what makes Tegan Knox so likable is to just watch her a little bit. But, like, not knowing, understanding it, I think is tough, and... Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree with like some of the criticisms here, but don't go too hard on my girl. She's fine. I'm just gonna say this very quickly. These are the things that I hate as a babyface. You come out through the fucking curtain and you go, "Come on, give me a reaction." You must hate Sami Zayn. Oh, I do. I do. So here's the thing. Yeah. Like, come on, give me a reaction. CM Punk. He doesn't say. He does not do that. CM Punk does not do. Go like this. No, he doesn't. He says it's clobbering time. Yeah. He does not wave his hands to get the crowd. Out. Yeah. No, he does not. No, he does not. JC. Da- Daniel Bryan literally is the epitome yes, of going like this. Daniel Bryan so, has a hand raising moment. Yeah. That's different. So that's, that's different. Boxes. No, it's not. She just she has the she, when she's waving her hands to bring people up. Yeah. That is a Daniel textbook Bryan person. Just points his fingers, it's the same no, thing. it is not the same, same thing. thing. That's Fraud. the dumbest thing. I win. No, it's not. You're that you're an absolute. You have no sense of what wrestling is if you say that. That was such an easy one. Oh, no, it is man. not. It's easy. You have a terrible take. That is one of that your is, most terrible you takes ever. You said that about last time. Then I want to pull 89% to 11%. Yeah, so. that one I clearly lost. I understand that. This one I do not lost. JC knows. Hashtag Nestle doesn't know. Nestle doesn't know. No, that's know. not it at all. I can mute know. your mic. Watch. See, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to mute your mic now. Look. I'll just reach across the table and talk into yours. That's fine. All I have to say is, look, she's a great wrestler, but the babyface stuff needs to be worked on. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. The moveset's great. I'm just saying she needs to work on that stuff. She needs to garner reaction, not beg for one. That's it. That's all I'm saying. Let's move on. I just don't know the world that you live in where you think that baby faces don't come out and try to fire up the crowd. That's literally what baby faces do. Yeah, but there's a difference. You look at all the most successful baby faces in the world. Oh, you mean the most established people don't have to come out and try as hard because people know who they are? Yeah. No, I'm telling you in, in general. If you watch, you watch in I, general. This is a take of yours that I just, I don't know. I, it, just, it seems very, I don't know. It's very Nestle. It fits you for sure. Oh, I'm sure it does. Yeah, but, but I, I, I don't. I don't. I, I think it's kind of silly. I'm just uh, when you have the best baby faces in the world, you don't have New Day coming out going, "Come on!" They throw pancakes. They pander in yeah. their own way. I was gonna say, like, they I, pander in their own way. In their own way. She needs to find her own way then, because this is ridiculous. Maybe this is her own way. No, that's not the own way, because it's a generic thing to do. Okay. And she's generic. That's it. None about her is generic. If that's generic, then the world would be a better place. I'm sure she's a lovely human being, but... I'm not talking about a human being. We're here talking about wrestlers. I'm just saying. We were, if we were here talking about human beings, we'd be talking about how great of a person Bronson Reed was, and they fucking fired him after they Yeesh. were pushing him. That's true. I, I don't... I, I'm, he, yeah, I saw what he said on Twitter, and it was very eloquent and very yeah. well done. The dude's... How's the, I mean, that one... I mean, we're in the heat, I guess. We're, we can talk about it. NXT fires fucking 13 people on network. Like, look at, like... We talk about this all the time is that roster cuts are natural. They happen. Um, and a lot of the people on the list, like we've talked about this off the air, like they're not, they didn't, besides I think Bronson Reed, they didn't fire people who are like, oh my God, top of the card, must see. Like they fired some older talent, people who have been there, people who they clearly said like, yeah, we don't know if these guys are main rosters, so cut bait. So, and all, but the other side of it is, yeah, it sucks to see people lose their jobs, but I mean, you know, it, it's always a tough thing. The timing of it wasn't great because it was, like, in the middle of SmackDown. And Bronson Reed's been working dark matches at SmackDown, which that was uh, that one caught me off guard. Look, I'm not a, I was never a Bronson Reed guy. Did nothing for me in NXT. When they did the Breakout Star Tournament, he was probably one of my least favorite guys in there. I wasn't thrilled with them pushing him to the North American title because I wanted Loomis to win it there and all that and yada yada. But it just, like, some of those, it's just, like, that's how you know when, you're, when you come down to budget cuts that, they get a piece of paper, and they say, Vince, you got to trim this much. Here's your roster. Make the math work. It sucks. That's big business, baby. You're not, you're not wrong. I just There's something for me specifically that I wanted to bring up was, as much as we talked about, all of these people are very talented. 
all these people are going to find jobs. It sucks that they, they, they lost their job. But when you look at that entire list, nobody was moving mountains. Nobody was doing anything after this. I mean, you can say that Bronson Reed had a, a thing He's with Adam Cole. You could make a case for it. You could make a case for it. But the issue I have more than anything else in this is that, yes, it sucks. Nobody should lose their job. But they're better off not being in WWE because they're not WWE talents. They're better than that. They, 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 like, they don't fit the cookie-cutter WWE entertainer. They, they all are their own entities in their own way and their own brand, which WWE was trying to use, and it didn't work out. That's it. They couldn't WWE eyes, essentially, all of these people because they're just them, and that's fine. Some people can morph into something for the WWE, and some can't. And unfortunately, these 13 people didn't morph into it. That doesn't mean that they're not good. That doesn't mean that they're not talented. It sucks. But you know what? Bronson Reed's going to be great in an ROH or a New Japan or an Impact. That's where he's going to be better than he is in NXT. And I'll even go far to say, and specifically in terms of him, like I wouldn't be surprised if someday they, he's the type of guy, like if he goes to Impact, becomes a world champion, who's to say they don't bring him back? We right. say, you know, it's one of those things where that's, it's a tough thing because a couple years ago, I feel like everyone was criticizing WWE for hoarding talent. And now they're doing the opposite where they're, yes, they're, their motivations are more to financial, but it's also like they're, quote unquote, setting some people free. So, you know, it is it is one of those things. Yeah, you look at the list, like, look at Bobby Fish was probably one of the other big names on there, but if we're ranking Undisputed Era. He's four. Numbers, he's four every time. And, and he's not a close four. Like, he's not even, I don't even think. He about. might be the alternate. Yeah. So, in a, and he kind of was because they just, they plugged in Roddy when he got hurt. Right. And, so it's just like Bobby Fish is immensely talented. He can get work anywhere, but it's one of those things. If you're looking at those guys in terms of WWE, Adam Cole, easily a main roster superstar. Kyle O'Reilly, I think could be a main roster superstar. Roderick Strong, fringe. Could he be on there? Yeah, because he's talent in the rain. He's being he's incredible. Yeah. But Bobby Fish, main roster guy, if he's not in a tag team, absolutely not. Right. You know what I mean? And then the other the other ones, like uh, people are like, oh my God, Tyler Russ just got put in this faction and now he's gone. It's like, well, I've seen Tyler Russ a few times. Seems like he's a good wrestler, but where do we think that guy was going, to be honest? There's nothing against no, him. No, no, like you're absolutely right. So here's, here's what I would say about Tyler Rust. Yes, he's in the Diamond Factory or whatever, Diamond Mind. But I, I'm, I'm going to say this, and I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, but whatever. If you're, if you're saying Roderick Strong is your main guy in that entire thing, it has a ceiling. Yeah. It has a ceiling, and you have to think about it that way because everybody behind him is only going to be lesser than. And Tyler Rust, by himself, even with Malcolm who does amazing work, couldn't get anything out of it. And what you're saying, essentially, this is the part that I think that this is a real big message, is NXT was trying to make Diamond Mind this whole thing about we are going to make this person bigger and better, and then they just cut him. Yeah. So you're basically telling me that that entire faction is dog shit I don't in think, a lot I don't of ways. Think it's that far. I just think that, like, if they threw someone else in there this week and didn't even bat an eye, I don't think it would hurt. And that's nothing, again, it's nothing against him. Like I said, I think he's a very talented guy, but it's just, when in terms of like what you're looking, it's there, for them, it's like they, you know, it's going to happen. And uh, it's it's tough, but anytime I see this, it's because they're obviously doing this breakout tournament. That's eight new single stars. My boy, Carmelo Hayes, baby, going to the finals. But I'm just saying, that's eight new people being worked in TV. You don't necessarily have to eliminate eight spots, but... You have to make room somehow. So it's either you're not going to use them or you let them go. And, you know, it's we also there's also the rumors about NXT kind of repackaging itself. Well, let's let's think about it this way. People have been pretty critical of NXT the last few years being like it isn't as good as it used to be. So now there's a report being they're going to try to mix it up a little and people are mad. So it just it's you're going to be mad. I feel like no matter what happens. So I'm in kind of a wait and see thing. I do think NXT, they do a lot of things really well. But I do think that I don't think it'd be the worst thing for it to get back to. Not to like you can call it developmental, you can call it third, whatever you want. But I think NXT was always about like it's literally NXT. It's missing one letter, and that's next because it's like the next the next stars are coming from there. And the last couple of years since they moved to TV, it's been a lot of older stars who, like you know, and even the thing like we're talking about this right now. Samoa Joe is probably going to win the NXT title. He's probably the oldest guy on the brand, so it's. It's one of those things, like, I think it's definitely a balancing act, but I do, don't think it'd be a bad thing to work in and make it more of that younger talent. Not necessarily a feeder, because I think NXT, when it was considered literally called developmental, it was still a beautiful alternative to WWE. And I think it still is, but I think it can be even more if it gets back to not so much its roots, because it definitely has evolved past it, but 
I don't think it's a bad thing to cut out a bunch of like over 35s or 40 year olds to make room for they've signed so many young talent. Some of the talent they cut a couple months ago were never even really on NXT TV. We never even really got to see them. So it's just the nature of the beast. They've called up a bunch of people from NXT. I think there's going to be even more call ups coming. So it's just it's we're getting back to that cyclical. So it sucks. Like we said, it's a shame. But I think you're also hitting the nail on the head where these people are going to get opportunities because you have that ex-WWE employee on your resume. You're going to get a lot more bookings and a lot more opportunities. So it is what it is. We turned a positive into a negative. So I guess we're just going to leave it there. Um, moving forward, something else that I'm sure we are not a huge fan of specifically anyway was um, Karrion Cross. I assume you want to you wanna tee off on me about Karrion Cross. So I just, I just so, want to take a moment here. Yeah. Wait, Guthrie, you beat me to it on Twitter. Because yeah. you were trying to sell me. I, I listened to it because I, I understood that if they did this, I still didn't like it because I think it's stupid. But it was like, oh, Karrion Cross is going to lose and be broken down until Scarlet comes and saves him. Well, nope. He uh, beat Jeff Hardy pretty clean and defiantly on Raw. So now he's 2-2, he's two and two, I guess, 1-1 one and one against him and Keith Lee. And it's just kind of like... This just confirmed to me what I originally thought when he just popped up without any fucking dressing on him. He was just a naked salad on Monday, his debut of Monday Night Raw. Um, an old, moldy, naked salad. Ugh. They have, no fucking, they have no fucking plan for him. It was literally Vince being like, oh my God, we need people. I like this guy. Let's get him up there and throw him out there. Put him with Jeff Hardy because people like him. So look, he got booed. You can argue whether or not they're piped in or not, but I would say that guy, if I was there, I'd boo him too. Even though I, I still kind of like them. But I just, it just confirmed to me like they have no fucking clue what they're doing booking him. They have no idea. So it's like any conspiracy theory of like they know what they're doing. Maybe they're starting to get a formula now, but they had no fucking idea when they called him out. But I still think they did him a huge disservice. Anything can be salvaged. Anything can be saved. I still stand by that. It's wrestling. We can have short-term memories. We'll always remember little things, but they can always fix things if you start to make it good. But I still like, you pretty much take this guy and you're like, you know what? This guy has a this guy's good looking. He's great. He has the nice look we want. Let's put him in a fucking trench coat and send him to a nudist beach. That's what they're doing with him. A nudist beach. That's what you're gonna say. In a trench coat. You're hi they're hiding him. They're hiding the best parts of him. He's still going out there naked, but he got the dominant win again. For me, the carry cross argument was never about the in the ring thing. I didn't mind the way he lost to Jeff Hardy. That was the only part of that segment I didn't mind. It was everything around it, and now it's just like the it's just they had no fucking clue. They had no fucking clue. Am I wrong? I don't think they had a fucking clue what they were going to do. They were just like, we just want this guy up. We're going to use him. But we have no fucking clue what to do. So for me, I would think about it this way. So he was obsessing over his loss to Jeff Hardy. He finally got the redemption and he put an exclamation on that shit. Choked him out afterwards, the whole thing. Now he's back to winning ways. I would not, I'm telling you right now, I don't like Karrion Cross. So I, I can't believe I'm, I'm defending this. I think he's going to lose the next match he has. I mean, to be consistent, he lost one. Yeah. And then he won one. Yep. And then he lost one. Yep. Now, so it's just like. It's going to happen so again and again just, and again. Is he just a fucking 500 player? Because that's. Yep. Yeah. That makes him the most generic guy ever. I mean, it goes with your especially, naked salad. Especially without Scarlet. Yeah. Just, I, I, I don't know. I, I just, mean, so here's, 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 the, here's, the real, here's, here's the real question that I, I'd like to pose to you. Everybody talked about how they liked Karrion Cross and NXT and the whole presentation, yada, 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 yada. But you stripped away everything that was good about him. Does that mean literally in the ring he still wasn't good? Because that you're telling me they took everything away. Well, well I And now you see these warts and you're like no, so, so how does it work? I feel like I've been pretty fair with Cross the whole time because I've always loved the presentation. I thought it was amazing. I think everything about it was cool, but I always said this guy isn't ready to be a main event actual wrestler. In NXT he's been very protected because most people he squashed than the people he's had the longer matches with like him and Keith Lee's match was a bit of a mess, but there also was an injury in there. We don't know how long it was, whatever. But his match with Finn Balor was fantastic. And that's because he's working with Finn Balor. I think his match with some of these other guys, like, they've been passable because he's working with them. I said this like a month ago in a hope. I don't think he's ready. I think he needs more seasoning in the ring. He's not there yet. He can't go on a show and be Roman Reigns in main event. Hell, he can't even be main event Jey Uso. He's not that good of a wrestler. But his presentation was A+. plus. But this guy, he needs more work. That's why he's been in NXT. So I don't love that it's being rushed because I think you're going to strip him of what makes him interesting. Just throw him out there. You're asking for it, man. You're asking for it. And that's what worries me about him because without all that extraness and like the mystique around him, he's a jag. He really is. No, you're not wrong. I mean, he's, he's definitely a jag. It's just 
this is this was my argument. For me, I, I get the presentation, and I love the presentation of it. I do. But like we say, the bell has to ring and has to keep your cut. Like he has a he has an amazing two minutes yeah. in that entrance or whatever he gets, and then you're like, okay, can this match end? Well, that's that's the other thing to me is I don't. I don't think he's a finished product. I think he's still developing. And that's why for me, as if you go back and you watch his series of matches NXT, I think he's gotten better in almost every single one. So that's what I'm always looking for is like, am I seeing the improvements? And I'm like, okay, and this guy can continue to get better. We watch these, we've seen it through like Roman Reigns, Baron Corbin. None of these fucking guys could wrestle until they could. And I carry across him like, he definitely has like that it factor that WWE looks for in their main event wrestlers. Their wrestlers. Like, but he needs to rely on the extra stuff until the wrestling catches up. And my worry is that they're just going to, like, kind of throw him out there before he was ready. Because I, I still don't think he's ready for this type of stuff. But so that's, again, my worry with him. I think there's potential there, 100%. Like, I see it. I understand it. But it's not there yet. And that's what's challenging for me because, so, you know, wrestling fans, they're, as Daniel Bryan said, fucking fickle. We're fickle. Everyone's fickle. So... You put a lot of negatives in our mind about someone, it takes a while to get rid of them. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about when it comes to the negatives? You know what I hate? Contender matches. You know what I hate <laughs> even more? Is when I feel like they just fucking did this. Why is Apollo Crews getting pinned every week? This guy, they Apollo! Did, they literally rebuilt this guy. And he was fucking amazing. And now, ever since the last, like, two months, he's... Like, he doesn't look tough at all, and he has the fucking lamest sidekick ever. Sorry, Guthrie. Aziz, you want to... No, I don't, I don't want to be mean, but that guy stinks. But knock it off with this shit, man. Nakamura just, like, pinning him again and again. But, he, again, I'm with Brock Lesnar. You pin the champion. You should be the pin champion. So Nakamura's won this title three times already. And now they're going to have to fight? Like, what are we doing? It just is bad TV. It makes me not care. They really... It just, like, it's a dropped ball after dropped ball, man. Yeah, look, I mean, it, it is. He came out with a silver Q-tip looking thing, and I was like, okay, I'll buy that. Then he came out with, a, you know, Aziz, and I'll buy that. That's fine. He's the IC champion. It's like the most unrecognizable championship in probably the entire company at this point because you don't remember it. He's never there. He never does anything. Well, that's the thing. The last yeah. couple months, they've just forgot about it because I thought, like, when him and Big E were feuding over it, like, I thought it was cool. But it's just like you don't use the guy and you just have him keep beating pens. It's like he's not interesting. Very much so. There's no mystique. Or, you can't have a champions without mystique. Sure. You gotta no. have something, and he has nothing right now. It's a shame. It is a very big shame. It is a very, very big shame. Would you like to get hopeful, or would you like to get a, a more heady? Uh, yeah, we can. I mean, we can get hopeful. Because the, the rest of the shit just was it was shit. I mean, I, I'm trying not to talk about Lily because I know that upsets you. You want me to make that my hope? Do you have that as your hope? I can. No, I mean, if you have a hope that's specific, go right ahead. I just... I don't. I do now. Okay. Go ahead, then. So, Alexa Bliss, um, by the way, I know she got, like, the Wyatt chance, but that wasn't my takeaway. They also chanted happy birthday for her. If there's anyone who can handle the fucking fiend drama at them, it's Alexa Bliss because she's so fucking likable. Even when they put her in this creepy makeup and have her be weird and carry around a doll, guess who's still over? Alexa Bliss, because she's fucking awesome. Um... And you know what? As much as I like this, this storyline is the ultimate, like I fucking hate it, but I also like secretly kind of enjoy it because it's different. There is nothing else in wrestling like this right now. And you know how I feel about Eva. She is such a fucking polarizing figure. And I love that. I love polarizing. If you're going to have no talent at many of the things that you're asked to do, but you are fucking polarizing. Well, guess what? You're more valuable than 95% of the other people there because you can do something without doing anything. And that's the beauty of Eva Marie. So having this be a feud and having fucking Alexa Bliss bring out a doll for a match and put it on the fucking ring post is the stupidest fucking thing in the world, but it's fucking working for me. I hate the doll in WrestleMania, but I'm enjoying this useless fucking shit. Dewdrop versus Alexa Bliss. Obviously, Alexa gets the win, blah, blah, blah. My hope for this, WrestleMania, and I can't believe I'm about to fucking say this, but... I need Eva Marie and that doll to wrestle. Yes! I need, I need it. Like I said, if anyone can wrestle a doll, it's the person who can't wrestle, Eva Marie. Because fucking give it to me. I don't care if it's a tag team match, singles match. I don't know what it is, but like the fucking doll was like, it just, I don't know how you do it with a crowd because obviously you can't like edit like the segments like they could with no crowds. But like if anyone can pull it off, it is the combination of Alexa Bliss as the teammate to the doll 
and Eva Marie as the fucking opponent because Eva Marie wrestling a doll, a broom, a good wrestler, a fucking box of chocolates, it's all going to look the same. It's fucking Eva Marie trying to wrestle. But you know what, Nestlemania? There's something about it where this is the worst thing in the world. But I want to see it. I want to see it. I, I can't explain why. Beside the fact that it just fucking sucks. It's a visceral reaction to I you, just, though. You no, need, I just... You need like, to have it. I want to see it because you're literally... It's like forces combining the worst thing ever in Lily and Eva Marie, who some people think is the worst thing ever, but may actually be the greatest thing ever. And you're combining them into one. It's just like... The perfect beacon of awful, pathetic, disgusting entertainment, which guess what? We're watching wrestling, so it's a perfect storm. So that's my hope, Nestlemania, is that Eva Marie and Lily are in the ring together and something happens because they're building towards it. This storyline, like I said, it's the fucking wireless storyline, but there's, there's something about it where it's just like, it's not good, but it's so watchable. It's so watchable. Hashtag I, I, knows, hashtag JC hopes come true. I, I will say this much. I know specifically that I was very intrigued by the, they cut it, had to cut in with the wink and everything, and it seemed to work, and that was fine. The crowd didn't necessarily hate it, which I was fine with. But I am, I am definitely interested in seeing what you just put down. But also, I think there is, there is a weird thing where maybe you don't get the doll specifically, but maybe the doll somehow makes Dewdrop into some type of weird zombie, and now you're zombies Dewdrop versus Eva Marie. You can do all sorts of weird things, I'm sure. It is. Well, Dewdrop is definitely the wild card in this feud because at some point she turned on Eva, but I think that's after this feud because I think Dewdrop remains a psychic a bit longer and maybe what whatever happens in this feud is what breaks the camel's black back and that's when Dewdrop kind of... Because here's the thing. When Piper Niven, or whatever they're going to call her, Viper Niven, I think they call her next to UK, when she breaks away from this, it's going to work for her as a babyface, I think. I think it's going to work in a big way. And that's why they originally put her with Eva Marie. Because guess what? As bad and all the faults you have in Eva Marie, Eva Marie can get someone fucking over because she's so fucking bad. It's going to work. We're not there yet. We got this Alexa stuff, which, again, I just admitted. It's so bad it's good. But they're, they're just like putting, putting the way they set this up, it's just like it's so bad and it's not good writing, but it's going to work. It's just somehow it's going to work. My hope is very specific. Um, there was a, a very particular, se a weird segment anyway last night where they had Elias do a promo talking about what Elias, you know, was and what WWE used to stand for. And then he throws his guitar in the fire and Elias is dead. That's what I got out of it. Elias is dead. That's what he said. Yeah. I mean, he said Elias is dead. And I, I in my head, all I could think about was what are they going to do with this motherfucker? Or like, what are we going to do? in some type of way that makes this work, right? So all I could think about was you're getting rid of his crutch, essentially. You're getting rid of a huge part of his character. So it's not like you're saying he's Elias anymore. You're literally taking him and making him something completely different. So I'm looking at it from this perspective of what is, when you look at Elias, you think the guitar. They got rid of the guitar. You think of the drifter kind of thing. They're going to get rid of that. This is going to be a wholesale change. He's going to get a name change. He's going to have a new look, new music, the whole deal. For me to be considered what this is going to work and this is how it needs to work, he needs to lose the hair. He needs to lose the beard. He needs to change the way he looks, the way he sounds, anything. If he has a mask, I don't know. But if you look at it from a hopeful perspective, he's gone as far as he can with this character. It was over to a certain extent, but now he needs something else. He needs, he needs something that he can believe in. A lot of people on the internet have been saying, oh my God, he threw the, the thing in the, the fire. He's going to be the new fiend. I doubt that highly. <laughs> I, 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 I doubt that. <laughs> but like, so that's ridiculous if you think that's the case. But what I look at it as is he's only gone so far. I would go as far as to say, not necessarily shave your head like Jackson Riker, but like I would like to see a shorter haircut on Elias. I would like to see what he looks like with a, with a trimmed beard or no beard. I want to see what he looks like. He looks the part. He, he looks like somebody special. We know he has all those musical interests and stuff like that, but he needs to get away from that music in general. Whether he comes out with no music, whether he comes out with classical music, whatever the case may be, rap, I don't know. But this has to be something uber specific here for it to work. 
but I think anything's better than Elias because we've talked about on this program three months, six months ago. Here's Elias again. You know it's the shits when you're wrestling Elias. It's not the wrestling portion that we care about with Elias. He's always intrigued us with the before and after. You know, the symphony and the destruction, all that crap, like it's all a gimmick. But for me, my hope strictly is that Elias needs to have a change. And I believe this is going to be a deeper character, a darker character. I think this is going to be a, I'm not going to equate it to something specific, but in my, in my brain, I could see him going more to the drifter side of this character. More to the, he's not going to be sting in the rafters, but he could have that whole feeling of, well, why the, like, think of it as like a Raven thing, right? Raven, I don't know, you, you probably didn't watch Raven and ECW, WCW. I'm aware of Raven. But you're, you're, you're aware of the WWE and the, the other versions of him. But if you make Elias more like Raven, where Raven rarely wrestled and had his own, he had a contract that said Raven's rules where he could do whatever the fuck he wanted. At least you build anticipation. At least you build something for like, what the fuck is Elias doing? Not that I say I want him to be an, a Raven ripoff, but that was a deep, dark character. That was something for me when I watched it. I thought, okay, if Elias just sits behind fucking Michael Cole, doesn't say a word for like an hour, and people are like, uh, Elias is behind you. It, it builds anticipation. If you have him sitting up in the cheap seats, the, the crowd's going to respond to it. So you, you, you can do something with him without the wrestling. Because honestly, if you make him wrestle, you and I saw him live, it's not going to work out. But if you make him a character that is more drifter-like, like in the background and just creeping and doing weird shit, I'm, I think that's going to be intriguing. It's not going to break the bank here. It's not going to do anything crazy. But it has the potential to do something amazing where you're just going, well, this guy's just not right. And you need more characters like that. You need people who can win and lose and still have it okay if they lose sometimes. Not like a Goldberg or whatever. But I'm very excited for this because I think that if you can, you can do it right and make him more of a drifter and an edgier character than what Song and Dancy's been doing, at least he's going to be at the bottom of the third hour and we're actually going to care. So you see that fence over there? I'm sitting on it because I... You spelled out my concerns. We've seen this motherfucker wrestler. He's not a, a true wrestler. He's never going to be. He's always been a gimmick guy. And when they, at his peak, he was the best thing on TV. But when they took away crowds, it took away the only reason that guy was relevant. So I don't disagree. He definitely needs a change. But I'm also concerned what that change is because, like, I, you spelled it out. I don't know if he's, like, a wrestling all. Like, I just don't know how that is sustainable for him. But he definitely has shown. And the reason why I've always kind of tried to give him more credit is because uh, when it comes to characters and personalities and promos, I respect the Miz's opinion so much, and he has always put over Elias. Um, he's a guy, he says that he, he talks to a lot because he always comes for advice and everything. And so he says this guy has such a good mind and had just something that you can't teach in terms of the creativity of how he does things. So I think that's a good thing. So if he can channel what he did at his peak with the music into whatever this new character is, he'll succeed. I'm just a little worried because... You never know what these gimmicks are with WWE. Remember the Brodus Clay promos and then he came out as a Funkasaurus? Yeah, yeah, like I the, get it. It's just like little things like that. It's like when a lot of the times when they tease these dark, gritty characters, they don't always come out as what they're teasing, which whatever. But it just, that always concerns me because I don't know, like, is do they always view him as like he's a sideshow? So this new character is still going to be a sideshow? Because I, like, like you said, like I would be interested into a grittier Elias which is what they're exactly what they're teasing in these promos. But I, I, ha I think I'm more concerned, but I'm going to sit on that fence because I don't like, I don't like to judge things before I know what they are. I can speculate because it's fun, but I don't want to bury this, but I also don't want to put it over. So I'm going to, I'm just going to sit on this fucking fence until I get more information. Well, you're going to feel very uncomfortable with that fence up your ass. I brought a pad. Okay. Well, at least you brought a pad. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Uh, so that's my hope. Hashtag Nestle knows. Hashtag Nestle books the future. Well, that you just ruined that. But don't call it a comeback. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, that's why I'm going to buy the can of Montez Ford back in the ring, baby. The best tag team of 2020 is back and reunited and it feels so good. It's great to see Montez Ford back doing what he's meant to do. Um, they took on the Dirty Dogs, who I forgot. Bobby Bubble Rap was a thing, but uh, Street Profits got the win. They're back in Nestlemania. Who are the champions right now? The Usos? What do I want to see? 
Usos and them Street Profits? Hell yeah. Have them yeah. wrestle like every week for like a year. I'd probably never complain. But no, it's, it's great to see Montez Ford back in the ring. They are one of the most fun things in WWE. Um, Montez is incredibly creative in the ring, out of the ring, everywhere around the ring. Him and Angelo Dawkins are like one of the most sensical tag teams there is in terms of like their styles matching up and the way they play off each other character-wise. But it was nice to see him back. So he's getting my comeback. I was going to give my comeback to The Miz, didn't do it. I was going to give my comeback to Elias, didn't do it. I'm going to give my comeback to one particular thing. You're going to think this is crazy. This is the first time I've actually been intrigued by this person in a long, long time. I'm going to give it to Dominic Mysterio because this is the first time where it was Ray backstage saying, Dom, we need a win. We need a win. We need a win. And then he went out and he didn't get a win. And his dad was disappointed with him. Now, I know they're not going to break up and I know they're not going to do something, but that gave me a little glimmer of hope, a little glimmer of, Maybe Dom will turn on his dad. Maybe Rey Mysterio has been a perennial baby face his entire life. He's not going to be healed now. But if Dom ends, I'm, I'm holding out hope that if Dom just turns on his daddy, I'll be so happy. So he gets my comeback. And you can pick up your draw off the floor, Chase. <laughs> Nestle doesn't leave me speechless sometimes, but every now and then he does something where it's just, wow. Uh, you know it hasn't even been a year since that motherfucker debuted, which is crazy because if, if you would have told me he'd been WWE for four years, I'd believe you. Well, it's the Brock stuff. It's the other things. And so that that's been, the thing. You know, it's just like he gets he gets sprinkled but, in an awful honestly, lot. Honestly, if you think about it, in terms of like a first year in a company for someone that young, I mean, first of all, it doesn't usually happen that young, but it's just like, man, he's literally growing before our eyes. And I just remember the first like watching him interact with the crowd has been a lot of fun. I think it's kind of rejuvenated it a little bit for me. But yeah, I know I definitely noticed that too because I don't know. I think it's going to be a slow breakup, but. I'm intrigued too because we knew they were doing that stat thing to get them the tag titles because that's what Ray always wanted. They had it. Where do you go from here? Well, Ray pretty much said he wants to stay in WWE because he wants to ensure his son's future and get him opportunities so he could develop into a star, which he slowly will. So, you know, the other way to do it if you're not a tag team is to be opponents. That could be a really fun little storyline, and I think it would be an easy way for Dom, whether he's maybe he's the one as a heel, like you mentioned, like as a heel. The, I think a great way for him to grow would be working with his dad, considering, like, what is he? He's still, like, 23 or 24. He's in the 24 he's range, a, he's I think. A, he's yeah, a yeah. baby. He's the little blossoming baby before our eyes. We're going to see this motherfucker for the next 20 years. So it's it'll be it's kind of cool to see him grow up. And, yeah, I'm intrigued, too. I mean, you got to imagine that, you know, I watched this backstage thing where, you know, the one was a six-man tag a couple weeks ago with Edge and everything and how it's, like, Uncle Edge with him out there and – how Edge was very excited about it. And then, of course, you know, I think, I don't know if, uh, I think Ray said it in an interview or something, but he said, hey, Cena, while you're here for the summer, can you just watch Dom's matches? Can you help Dom? Can you talk to him about stuff? And so you're learning from Edge, you're learning from Cena. As much as I don't, like, as long as I'm, I'm not a fan of what Dom is right now, and I've been very hard on him, I think that with his dad, with Edge and Cena, which is funny because those are like the ruthless aggression, aggression smackdown guys. Um, he's going to carve out something for himself. Well, let's, let's also think about this. I think you bring up a great point is that with a lot of these second or third generation superstars, a lot of the times their parents have been involved. Like Cowboy Boy Barton was around a lot when Randy was a kid. Uh, Dusty Rhodes was obviously around when like yeah. Cody and like these growing up. So it's like, you know, these similar things were happening and it can do nothing but help. Because if anything, like, I feel like it, it gives them a little attitude too, if you constantly have it. And I think it can create, I don't know, I just, I, there's definitely magic with this kid. He's not even close to a finished product. He has a lot of work to do himself and a lot of maturing to do. But I, it just like, you can see that there's, there's definitely like things there. And, you know, I, I think it's kind of cool for like, it's, it's cause it's, it's something that we haven't seen as much in the really recent. Um, but it was something like growing up watching wrestling. I felt like every like there were so many more second and third generation superstars, and their parents were so involved. Like we've seen it with Rick and Charlotte, like off and on. He's obviously gone again now, but you know he's gonna be back. Once or if he goes to AEW, yeah. woo! Whoever cuts him the biggest check, the motherfucker went to TNA too, and then he came. It's just like this. That's just how wrestling works. When you're an old guy and you're not actually wrestling anymore, you're following the money, baby. Oh, you're gonna pay me more? Bye. I got no loyalty to you. Motherfuckers got everything, but uh, nobody has enough money. That's a good point. Nobody's ever got enough money, especially if you got a lot of it. <laughs> especially if you got like six ex-wives and you got to pay alimony. That's a lot of stuff, buddy. 
Anyway, that's neither here nor there. We should get into the big old finish. NXT is tonight because we record on Tuesday. Guess what? I don't know anything on the show. So if you don't have nothing, I'm going to move on. <laughs> but AEW, big week for AEW. Um, on Dynamite this week, uh, they have the Impact Tag Titles and the Good Bros in Dark Order. Who cares? But the fifth labor of Jericho. Jericho versus Wardlow. But the twist is... MJF is either, I thought it was a ref originally, but then they kind of like backed off it. So I don't know if he's a ref or an enforcer or whatever, but either way, they're going to have to get real creative of how Jericho is going to win this match because it sure seems like MJF has the authority. Maybe he gets knocked out and someone uses it. And I don't know. Go a lot of directions with this. But for me, I know a lot of people were underwhelmed by Wardlow. I was like, no, no, no. This made the most sense because this is MJF's fucking heavy. This is a guy who's been a dominant force. He hasn't lost too much for a reason. Like you can't get a much tougher labor than Wardlow. So this always made sense that they were going to go here eventually. I know people like wanted more surprises. Like, motherfucker, they already gave you two great surprises. Relax. So I'm very intrigued by this. I think this has been a fun storyline, as uh, painful as it is, to see Jericho be the workhorse of the company and wrestle every week. All the gaga around it. Um, I can't go wrong. I'm really enjoying this. I, I, I personally love Wardlow. I do too. I think he's got a star quality to him that they haven't unleashed yet, and I'm sure, like you said, he's still got a lot of time to develop. But when you paint somebody like we already know Jericho versus MJF is going to happen at all. Uh, we are, we kind of get, we know we're going to get to that point. I was having fun with the Nick Gage thing. I had fun. I really loved to, I almost gave Hoovy my comeback. I thought about it, but then I was just, it sounds so old now at this point. Uh, but I, I love Hoovy as a kid. I mean, between Ray and Hoovy, those were my guys growing up for, you know, when I was really, really young. But when you thought about it, when they, they booked it in the corner of like him as the rapper or special enforcer, whatever they end up doing, it's still very much a like, is Max going to be knocked out and Jericho takes his hand and counts the three for him? They can find all sorts of ways to do it. Is it one of those things where Max turns his head and thinks he's doing it like nonchalantly and Jericho, you know, reverses a pin? They can think of all different things they can do. But for me, I thought, I appreciate the five labors thing. I think that's great. But I don't necessarily think that, I, again, it didn't get me to an end product that I care about. I had more fun on the journey than I will at the end result. That's what that that that's what sucks about this entire thing is Jericho versus MJF is a promo to me, not a match. It's it's the story of it, but when you get to the match, I'm gonna go, that's a match I may be able to miss or watch highlights of. I don't really care. Well, let me give you this. So the match itself will be ten to twenty minutes. The lead up is about three months. I'd rather the three months be good. You know what I mean? Because I've always said this. If you get me there, that's fine. And I will just say their match isn't going to be just a standard match. There's going to be stuff involved that I think will make it fun and memorable to get us to the end product. But I just, I think this has been a lot of fun. I like how creative they've gotten with this storyline that is so obvious where it's going. But I think it's like, like you said, like the Hooven 2 thing was just bring in those things, just add an extra flair. So it's something I think they do well. I don't know what else is on Dynamite. If, I don't know if you do, but we got to talk about Friday. SmackDown's 8 to 10, but you know what's 10 to 11? AEW Rampage is debuting in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And you know what that means, Nestlemania? They got to rename AEW DMD. She's defending her title in front of her home crowd. Britt Baker versus Red Velvet. I'm excited for Rampage. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, it's only an hour, I believe, right? Too. So it'll yeah, be it's eleven. To, sorry, ten to eleven. Yeah, and AEW. You want to talk about talent hoarding? Like they have their other shows, they put them on, but there's a lot of people that don't get on TV every week. So this is just a little extra way for them to get more people involved. So I think if they continue to have the same energy they had for Dynamite, they do for Rampage. I like that it's a little extra hour show and it's fun. I think it'll be a good little thing after SmackDown, or you can watch it on the weekend or whatever. But I'm curious to see the presentation of this show. If it's like, because Dynamite obviously has this very specific set. I'm curious to see what the Rampage is, but I I think this is going to be a lot of fun. And I'm pumped for Britt Baker. Is it in a different city than where Dynamite is, though? Because if it isn't, it's just going to be the two tunnels. I don't know. I mean, that's, I'm sure somebody out there can tell us, but I, I don't know. I don't know specifics, honestly, but it, it you know, it is hard. I mean, I, I did see there's a six man tag with best friends and all that other stuff I don't really care about. Uh, there's Darby Allen versus uh, Danny Garcia, which again, Danny Garcia is a great, amazing grappler on the Indies. He's the uh, independent champ, independent wrestling champion. He's with your boys. I thought you were gonna give them your comeback. Uh, I thought about it for a second. Two point is back. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff on AEW specifically, but I, I, I was sitting there going, man, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to do this. But it almost feels like all of my favorites that I couldn't cheer for are now getting a shot in AEW. So it's like Malachi Black couldn't have had a better debut. Yeah, I mean that's somebody you give a comeback to Literally too. Literally dominant. 
fucking win over Cody. Like it reminded me of when um, Brody Lee beat Cody for the TNT title, where Cody just went out there and fucking took a beating. But even more so, like Cody then tries to retire, and Malachi Black's like, "Fuck you, you're not retiring." <laughs> it comes out and does that. I'm like, they couldn't have put that guy, got that guy over in 15 minutes of an end of an episode more than they did. Like I thought that was booked amazingly and malachi black like a complete badass but yeah aw really is starting to become the best of nestle you got malachi black there you got 2.0 who else you got bonus for that's got fired this over there maybe mojo will show up mojo <laughs> raleigh if Bra dude if braun Strowman shows up you gotta you gotta be on the bandwagon i've, I've been a, dude aw has been the most exciting show smackdown is always good i think for the oh, most yeah. part but oh yeah aw because i has think it's probably surpassed them at least like for right now where if I was told I could only watch one show a week, I'm picking Dynamite as of this moment. Wow. I'd not, been, I not. A year ago, I wouldn't have thought that. As much as I don't like the main event scene, especially since they cucked us, Hangman, a little bit there. Because <laughs> I literally us. saw people saying they're not going to buy tickets to All Out anymore. Oh, There's no. no. So it's, but like, whatever. But I, again, I didn't hate that decision because they're making us earn it more. But there's so much good other stuff. We like, they find a ways. Everything always feels so fresh because it's not in your face with the same shit every week. It's like they cycle it through. So it just is, it's always a lot of fun when it's not Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. It's a perfect show. I need TJ. No, I'll make my own TJ, but uh, I'll make an, an all-elite nestling shirt. Get it? Get it? <laughs> I knew I'd get you to crack. I wasn't going to sell you that. No, I know. You can't know sell it. All-elite nestling. All-elite nestling. That's yeah. horrible. Well, for people that like to cuddle. What's wrong with that? You could be elite at cuddling. Yeah, but I'm not nestling anyone. But if you cuddle with somebody, I'm, you nestle. I refuse to acknowledge your name as a verb. I mean, you could. At least my last name could li is literally a verb. Canoeing. That's a real thing. Well, it's not really the way you spell canoe, though. It doesn't matter. On that note, <laughs> we hope that you enjoyed this week of the Jobber Knocker. I think we'll be back next week with more Jobber Knockery. Come on, bro. Be my friend. <laughs>